Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 87 of Death Readers, the podcast where we read through books for the first time. If this is your first time listening to Death Readers, uh, what we do here is we read a book, we check in with what the chapters we're going to read, we take notes as we progress through them, we share those notes, and we uh, let the conversation go organically from there. In this episode of Death Readers, we're going to be reading uh, the last chunk of uh, Robert Backer's Raptor Red, reading from chapters January Segno Caves to the end of the book, so after the epilogue. This is, as we like to call it in the in this podcast, the book wrap party on Raptor Red, the third installment in our dinosaur trilogy that started with Jurassic Park, went into the Lost World, and ends with Raptor Red. Book Raptor Party. Book Raptor Party. Very good joke. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, that sounded more condescending than I intended. I liked it. Um, <laughs> you can condescend all you like. I don't care. Do we have any housekeeping? No, I don't think we have any housekeeping. Then let's, let's say let's get into the episode. Let's do it. I think that brings us to... January. Segno Caves. All right. I have a note on page 197. Uh, mine's 184. Do it. It's you, man. Uh, this is just me observing that Red Sister is exhibiting even more toxic, manipulative behavior. She's effectively, it's necessarily, not necessarily abusive, though I think that case could be made. Um, but she's awful and then backpedals the other way, just like in an abusive relationship. Where it's like, oh, no, it's better now. I'm doing everything you want, see, and I'm being nice and good. And and it's, it's just pretty classic, uh... Jack and Wendy Torrance makes an interesting uh, you bring up an interesting point for me where I think about like the evolutionary purpose of manipulation. Mm. Um, the idea that it does serve. If it didn't serve, it wouldn't be utilized. And so I right. wonder when you talk about creatures without any perceivable morality, um, which not to say that they don't have it. I'm just saying right. that's what the perceivable is there for a reason. Right. Uh, without any perceivable morality, it sorts sort of calls to mind this idea of doesn't it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. Like, I wonder if there's any research done on whether or not animals lie to each other. I think there is. I I I don't have data, but I feel like I've I've seen those kind of studies. Like hiding something from one another, like yep. uh, stealing. Food. Yep. I know that Great. chimps have have lots of that, but mm-hmm. like I'm thinking about other animals. Like okay, okay, so, I'm thinking so about like lower brain functioned animals. Well, I don't know about that because I don't know how raptors fit into that because their brains are apparently huge. He keeps. Well, talking, I, I, he you said you're thinking other. What? He won't stop talking about how big their brains sure. are. No, I understand that, but they're still effectively lizard brains. I believe they don't have the prefrontal. But you said. You said other animals besides chimps, so I was trying to wonder. I was trying to was that your distinction? Also, wouldn't it be more bird brain than lizard brain? Everything came from lizard brain. That's what we call it. It's a, it's it's colloquialism. I know, but I think it's it, it's not a scientific colloquialism. Uh, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> All you need is one scientist who agrees with me, and it's scientific. <laughs> okay. Okay. Global warming is not real. That's not what I said. That's what I you said, just said. You're just you're, you're Michael said. Crichton. You're just turned into Michael Crichton just now. I watched it All happen in I front of me. All I said is to make it scientific. A scientist needs to agree with me. Pluto's and still a planet. It's not what I. The not Earth what I'm is flat. That is not 
What I'm saying. And I'm it's the saying, center of the solar system. Nope. 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 I am saying that this can be categorized as scientifical. Okay. Yes, I'll agree with that. It could be categorized as scientifical. Okay, then. Bigly smart. I have no problem agreeing with that. <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, but it makes me just wonder about, like, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I wonder if if that happens regularly where deception occurs to benefit the group more than mm. the individual or one individual over another, mm-hmm. how that would be observed. What, what would be the thing that would cause that would be so valuable to inspire that duplicity? Um, it's very interesting. Uh, series of questions I've posed because I'm so cool. Um, oh, that's what I was going to ask is like, do you think that if it does exist in, in animals, if if it is if you're if it's okay to even qualify it as manipulative, or as it with the, to to give it that uh that that sort of judgment that that comes with those kind of words about about it being unhealthy or or mm. abusive. You use the word abusive. Um, That's how it's. Well, I mean, again, it's it's being framed through as close to human behavior as we can. So of course, I'm going to read it that way. But I see what your point is. Um, though. Red sister does seem to have an unhinged aspect that it, it just make me think there's a greediness to her manipulation that's more than just for the better, betterment of the pack. See, I think I disagree with you. And the only it's it's simply semantic. Sure. The the, the disagreement is that I think that it is for the betterment of the pack. I don't think it's greedy. I think it is defensive. I think she sees Robbie as a threat. I don't think she accepts him as part of the pack. So him being around at at all is a threat to her children, is a threat to her pack, because he's not their father. She knows that he could just eat them. That the only thing stopping him from eating them is he doesn't want to piss off Red. And so later when there are, I don't want to get too spoiler heavy yet, but the, later when there are two packs joined, the reason Red doesn't perceive the other males as a threat is because she is more highly evolved than her sister? I don't think that's the case. I think that they, they had... Um, the red and the chick both had mates. Mm. The, tr- the problem here is that the, the, si- the sibling a- didn't have a mate. So if there was a Mr. Red Sisters. Yes. If there was a Mr. Red Sister, she would have been calmer about it. I think so. Okay. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. But she, she was a real turd in these, bo- in these chapters. Uh, excuse me. She was a good, uh, what do they call in the book? Um, Scent marking. She was a big scent marking. Please. She was. She was. She was deleting his texts. Sometimes That's not cool. Be, she was deleting you, Robbie's texts. You gotta do what you gotta do. If you're gonna protect your sister and your family. Well, she didn't do a very good job because she let him right to a whip tail. But we'll get to that. Yeah, that's that's not that's not here yet. All right, you said you had one on one eighty nine. One ninety seven. Keep up. One ninety seven. Okay, so one eight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to give you shit. I'm no, sorry. I, you go, I, you go I ahead. Bring the shit down upon myself. Scent droppings or scent markings. Please use the vernacular. One eighty nine. Uh, I had a prediction. Okay. Uh, sister's going to die, leaving Red with the kids. Classic sitcom dinosaur spinoff. Fair. Um, That's what happened to Roseanne. Right. Yeah. I don't know exactly. what happened to Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, I just see like once dinosaurs ends 
then Robbie could start in his own sitcom where he ha- where he hooks up with Red and they have a pair of kids and go forward into the future. Except I've heard that's not how Dinosaurs ends, and it's a lot sadder. Oh God, I I think I, I believe have... it ends. I believe it ends with the approaching meteor. I think I have the two seasons on DVD, and I have not watched a oh, lot. Oh, I'm of sorry. It. I did not mean to spoil it. No, no, I, I don't mean like I'm spoiling. I don't mean that. I just mean like I am recognizing I've not watched it. Okay. Like, okay. Like I, I don't know what happens. I mean, that makes sense, but like, that kind of like um, looking up and like, oh, we fade to black, and that's it for that show. Fuck. <laughs> it's very heavy. But how come their shirts weren't fossilized? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Mine one ninety seven. Okay. I found the notion that scratching up a tree to show how tall you are is uh, as compelling. I thought I think oh, the idea that like reaching the highest yeah, height you can and scratching yeah, it. Exactly. That that like I I thought about like okay, imagine being a smaller raptor mm-hmm. and seeing those huge tall claw marks and thinking and understanding implicitly like, "Oh, I know what that means. There's a big fucking raptor nearby. I'm not going to be here." <laughs> right. And I thought that, that was a very interesting like recognition of what that could mean because I know bears kind of do that. I think I I don't know if I think uh, tigers do that. I think mm-hmm. like big cats sometimes do that. Um, there was certainly animal behavior in this book that I had never even considered before, and I, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, uh, and this is one of them for me. Like it, it occurred to me like about moose too. Like you know moose. I wonder if that's because uh, uh, they're they're herbivores, so it's not the same. But they have. They have uh, display. Nice they have nice racks. They have display. Uh, you know things. What do you call them? Uh, pr- rituals. Display rituals. They have like like they, mating dances, the kind of thing. Well, they do. They 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 rut. You know, and then they, oh, yeah, yeah. And they they fight against each other, and they they have their little combats um, with their antlers. But they uh, they also scratch up shit. They eat trees and or, and they they scratch up bark and stuff. And I wonder if that's part of it. If if you were another moose and you saw antler markings or, or something that was really high up if you'd go oh fuck i should get out of here because that's a bigger moose mm-hmm. uh, it's his territory or her territory i don't know it just occurred to me just, i really like that uh explanation uh then i just have an overview for the rest of this chapter yeah me too what's yours uh i think the sledding scene is where my like for me the personification of the raptors jumps the sharks like it's it's <laughs> Like, uh, like uh, a lot of animals engage in play. Like, that's yeah. not unusual. That's not crazy. Uh, you know, dogs are extremely playful, love love playing. Dolphins make uh, rings of air. They blow bubbles underwater, and then they, f- they swim through them and play with them and stuff. They, sure. They play with uh, – sometimes they play with, like, uh, jellyfish or other things that they can squeeze and, and have fun with. There's video of these things is what I'm saying. You can you can observe them. Uh, I, I mean, we've, hopefully we've all seen videos of uh, like bears, like bear cubs play fighting and tumbling all over each other and, and enjoying that stuff. Uh, but my question, I guess, comes from this idea is like, are do birds do that? Because huh. I'm trying to think of if, if there's a way that I can have observed birds playing. I've, I can say that I have seen bird footage of birds doing clever things i've seen birds solve puzzles sure um i know when i was very little my mom always described uh birds flying on like thermal updrafts as playing just kind of playing on the wind so i mean i inherently think that but beyond that i don't know 
I mean, I know that like really smart birds, like uh, parrots, like like the African gray can, uh, like essentially mimic v- verbal like vocalizations sure. to the point where it sounds sure. like it's talking. Yeah, and they're I think great at parcheesy. There's also a argument to be made. I think therefore, if they, if that's play for them, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I just when I was thinking about it, I was like, I can't think of like watching ravens scurry in the snow, or like you know finches doing anything like other than flying and eating like i what about what about eagles since they're supposed to be smart again like when i was thinking about eagles or, or like uh, predatory birds raptors i was thinking about the only thing i can remember is this uh this thing where there's a certain bird that will hunt turtles and how it hunts turtles is it will like pick the turtle up in its claws fly up really high and then drop it i thought it was onto- an eagle onto rocks and then mm-hmm. to shatter the shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's really smart and really clever, sure. but is it playful? Like, I don't right. know where that, do they drop be- the turtle and catch it before it hits a couple times to really freak yeah, it out? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think they drop it and just eat it once it cracks open. Just kidding. Or am I? <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I would just, I would love to know if, if there is evidence of birds being playful or, or, or anything like that, but I just, it's not, hitting any of the benchmarks I have for animal behavior. Right. Um, I liked this chapter. I liked, I pretty much liked all of these chapters. They were fun and engaging. Um, I can see what you're saying. The sledding. It's like Bambi. It's like that sequence in Bambi. (laughs) And it just, it feels wrong. Like it feels like this is a cartoon. This isn't real life. You've gone too far in the personification. Right. Thumper wouldn't be bashful in real life about only eating blossoms for dinner. Right. Um, uh, I am still, I, I, I know you're defending her, but I'm still upset with the sister for, for deleting the texts. Okay. Uh, well, then that, I think that brings us to the next chapter. March. Whiptail. I just have an overview. Um, if I can get editorial for a moment. Do it. Which, by which I mean like an editor, not because I'm going to orate. Uh, I didn't like that Backer, even, I'm fine with the chapter being called Whiptail, but like in the first sentence, he refers to the specific brontosaurus as a Whiptail. And I feel like I wish he had written around that until introducing the actual Whiptail and then referring to it as a Whiptail. Because he called it the Whiptail and they're like, oh, what's this weird thing about the tail? And it just felt like that should have been, you know, pulled back a little bit until we actually came up against the weapon. That's all. I'm surprised no one caught that, but uh, I'm here for all aspiring authors. I guess we should also clarify what's happened up to this point in these chapters. Let's um, do. In the last chapter, I believe the uh, raptors find their way to the caves, these old, these uh, Segno caves where they, mm. uh, they've they traveled further north and it's like wintertime or something. So they're... Which they're uh, freaked out by. Have they never run into winter? That, uh, that, that bothered me, Coming too. from like, Asia to Utah, they only were able to travel ahead of storms in, in winter? That that was odd. It's just a little bit odd. Um, I think he was enjoying himself writing about what it must be like for an animal to first discover snow. Right. And he totally probably could have made a career doing books from the dinosaur's point of view in a more of a homeward bound kind of way instead of the scientific themed one it felt like he was making that move towards the I, end so when we got our, our one of our puppies for the first you know she was like eight weeks old or whatever ten weeks old we got her in october 
and it hadn't snowed yet. And when we took her out the first day when it snowed, I was like, I was so excited to see what she would do and reacted to, to it. Nothing, no reaction, no discernible, like confusion, no exploration of like, Oh, this does different things. When I touch it, nothing like that. She just went did you, right uh, into did it. You, did you get one of them stupid puppies? No, she's really smart. Oh, okay. She's, she like talks to us. It's weird. Uh, she like tell us what to do and shit. She's got a schedule, man. She got a schedule. And if you don't meet that schedule, she'll let you know. She's like, uh, hey, <laughs> uh, hmm. listen, I got a lot of things to do today. And uh, I, I, I was expecting to have those TPS reports on my desk by seven. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, here's the thing. I get up at seven. I eat. And then we go out. Uh, and then from from 730 to noon, I mind my own fucking business. But at noon, you give me my treat. I get my treat at noon. And the other ones get it too. Okay? We all get the treats at noon. Then we go out again. Also, I want water. If I don't get that, you're going to hear about it. And I'm, you're not going to you're not going to want to hear about it cuz I won't stop letting you hear about it until I get my treat, my water, and my outside. She's got a little doggy union. Do we understand? We 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 got we have an understanding here. Um I want to get my snout wet. Yeah, and then later it's like, hey, it's time to go to bed. Okay? It's uh, midnight. I like to be in the bed by midnight. Time to go to bed. Yeah, I'll sell out the other dogs like I do every night. Trick them into going in the kennel and kenneling. Oh, yeah, come on, guys. Let's get in there and get our treats and we can hunker down for the night. You lock them up. You take me to the bed. That's how it works every night. I run this ship tight. And I make sure it runs on time, okay? So the least you can do is keep up your end of the bargain. Wake up at 7. I get breakfast. I go out. Noon, treat, water, out. Bedtime, no later than midnight. Anyway, that's my dog. Uh, <laughs> and she's she's very smart about it. I mean, she she's other, smart for other reasons too. But anyway, uh, yeah, she had no... No, she loves the snow. She loves the snow, but she had none of that. Maybe she was too young, too. She was only 10 weeks old. I sure. Mean, she might as well have been born in the snow. But anyway, I mean, it, I wish I wish I had been able to see more of an excited first snow puppy thing. What's this? What's this? Yeah, I wanted that. Yeah. Or some sort of like, you know, Milo and Otis, like, not like, no, not like that. But you like killed like 40 dogs to, to enjoy your ownership. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so that happens. They're in this. Uh, they they find this cave. They're trying to they're trying to hide out. They don't have a lot of luck finding food. They're kind of going hungry. One of the other chicks is growing up and starting to mature. Uh, and I think of the the thing we're talking about the dinosaurs sledding down the hill. They find some smaller like predatory animals who are like sliding down the hill and chirping, and then. The uh, raptor red sister slides down the hill and chirps and is excited and tries to call her sister over to do it also. And then they all start having reindeer games. They basically just start sliding around and, and acting as if they're humans. It's weird. Right. And then the next chapter is this big fight between the this brontosaur and raptor red and her uh, clan. It's it's strangely written because they get it's also a blizzard. Mm, forgot where, about the blizzard. Yeah, you're right. 
where the uh, the the giant brontosaur gets lost in the the snowstorm, and so Raptor Red can't find it. But it basically, I mean, at this point, let's just say it because I don't have any other notes. We can just describe what happens. Let's do it. Yeah. The 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 whip tail, as it as it were, uh, uses its giant tail to smash the hell out of Raptor Red's sister, uh, as crippling her, and and it turns out wounding her fatally. Uh, mm-hmm. eventually you know she will succumb to these wounds and die so right. rob's rob's prediction was correct it's drawn out a bit but it's it drawn does out. They, they try to use the clever girl maneuver does not work right right yeah it's just pre- pretty much after the action the chapter ends yeah pretty much after the that that the chapter ends then we go into the next chapter march the end of utah raptor I don't know. Is this where she dies? Is this the one where the sister actually croaks? This is the one where the sister dies, the little raptors. Um, so the sister doesn't die immediately and I believe has a compound rib fracture. Yeah, it's really drawn out. It makes it seem like there's a lot of time that passes between. And, and, and Red is Red is wounded. She dislocated her knee. She is wounded. Um, uh, yeah. It's popped back, but she can barely use it. She finds a dead. She and the chick go hunting and find a dead some kind of dinosaur and Segno. take meat from it. Segno. Uh, but that's the property of the little raptors. I think they were the yellow raptors. I forget their scientific uh, name. D- Dinonychus or whatever. I don't think it's Dinonychus. I don't think it's di- I don't know. It Something like back, that. Right? Uh, and so they get mad and, and gang up and launch an attack on Raptor, the two chicks, and the crippled right. sister. Right. Uh, and and they they end up you know succeeding and like getting close and getting closer. Uh, she's snapping at them, but they're not right. scared. And she just kind of gives up. I think the chicks go off to the cave, and Raptor Red is sitting there giving up with the with with the body of her sister. And these things are closing in, and that's where the chapter ends. That's right. all. And, I, I just have that overview. Yeah, same. It's just that's just, I, my note is I basically I just didn't know I I didn't expect it to get this tragic. I mean, I kind of did because I was thinking it would make sense for this book to be one of those books that really hammers home the idea that uh no this is what nature's like like it's a raptor eat raptor world out there right and i was i was kind of anticipating some of that right uh so i but it was also kind of surprising that how it happened like i I don't know i guess i didn't i anticipated it happening but i couldn't predict what it would look like and i didn't expect it to look like this Mm -hmm. if that makes sense it's her um so that brings us to the next chapter march Raptors in the clouds. I really don't like the raptor dreaming stuff. Yeah, because this is where she she kind of half. I okay. Okay, before we even get to the dreaming, okay. let's get it out of the way. the The other dinos are closing in, and then there he was, her beloved Jesse, by which I mean Robbie. Right. Um, shows up. And fights off all the bad raptors, and they slink away. At which point, Red kind of sinks into... And, and then just, she discovers this... No, no, no. At which point, Red sinks into sort of a a, a heavy dream-laden coma and sees the white dactyl and, and Robbie, and they merge together into a winged raptor. So at least I got that. Um... Was there anything else in this chapter other than well, they there, kind of like, rebond? He uh, doesn't he essentially like nurse her back to health in this one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, keeps bringing he her, her foods. He brings her food, so she's sort of in a daze but eating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then and then I think that's mainly what happens in this chapter. It's a lot of the 
the dream stuff and not being sure what is and isn't a dream. And mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's this one, but I know that at a certain point she sees the white dactyl in her dream and in reality and tries to like shake herself off of the dream into walking into reality and then like snaps at him. Right. Um, and then despite, I mean, this is later, but I didn't take a note on it. So I want to bring it now, despite all of his, you know, I'm a bachelor forever kind of talk. Eventually he has a new mate and children. This, yep, this white that's, dactyl. That's, that's, that's in the next chapter. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. My, my, uh, I, I didn't really like the, I, I guess that's my thing is I was hoping this would be a real stark, realistic story about what happens in animal, animal life. Mm-hmm. And instead we got this weird, like Raptor in shining armor situation <laughs> where, Robbie showed up and he's like, I'll save you everybody from everything. And he does. And then we get this weird fairy tale ending after that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's move on to the next chapter so we can finish up that. Hey, you get your damn six inch claws off her. Yeah. Yep. It's just like that. Uh, okay. So next chapter, March Raptor family values. Oh my God. Finally. I have a note on page 237. What's your play? What's your note? My note is just, I'm a little worried. This is going to have a happy ending. <laughs> I think I wrote that. I wrote that note here. I was like, I just want to point it out right here. Um, I was really hoping for a dark, natural realism. Yep. Like the way that it, it uh, the way her sister died and the way she almost gave up on life. Like uh, the biggest chick is, is out there mating with males. I, I don't, I don't see that. Ha- I, I feel like, his background as a paleo Robert Backer's background as a paleontologist. He was going to write a book that had more of a traditional hero's journey. Yeah, it's just like if if he'd been a writer who was into experimenting and, and throwing off tropes, perhaps. But I feel like he's coming from a different background and wanted to make it as accessible as possible. He's. I think he succeeded. It's just like I had my hopes up of it being edgy <laughs> sure um, but it's edgier than note, it already is being a story about a dinosaur's first pers- like first person perspective it's pretty but edgy as to my note they finally get to have that sweet raptor sex oh god it's not uh described in detail because i was curious about the science from a purely scientific point of view but you know at least finally you know and, and here i was hoping we could get through an episode of on this book without talking about chuck tingle but there you go. Never happened. Never happened. Making meant me to be. think about raptor sex. My my billionaire raptor lawyer. <laughs> you, I can't ever remember the title. You have to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm riffing them. I don't know what they are. Oh, but, like, like my billionaire raptor lawyer mounts me on my on his yacht until I do his taxes. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> Chuck Tingle's a genius. Um, uh <laughs> I liked that mounting scene though, because I liked I liked how it was like at first she was like, he, she was it was like oh he tries to mount her and she says no and then he's like, I'm gonna try again and she's like no but less no, <laughs> and then and then he's like, third time's the charm and she's like yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that was that was interesting. I mean, that's another What's one of those the... things that happens in Animal Kingdom. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just wondering, what is the um, evolutionary advantage to Koi being being Koi like that? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't... I Okay, I've only really seen that behavior in cats. Okay. 
And the reason that's significant is because cat. I always assumed, and I'm not. I'm not. An, I'm not a zoologist. I'm not a biologist. But my understanding of the way cats mate is that the reason cats are so resistant is because cat penises are barbed. Right. And they're painful. Right. So, like, the idea is that the female cat's like, no, I don't want that knife in me. No, thank you. Uh, I'll pass. You want to, like, stab me with a a fleshy, like, wand covered in fish hooks? No. No, I don't want that. That sounds like the... Do you want that? (laughs) Would you want that to happen to you? Because I don't want that to happen to me. And so I assume that that's why cats tend to fight back. Is because the act is actually painful and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if birds do that. I I can't. I think that when I think about birds, I think about like birds of paradise. I think about like the the intricate uh, mating dances that birds go through, which he definitely talks about in, in detail in these books, like these these raptor mating dances or rituals that they go through with the bobbing of the head and the placement of the food and the repetition of the movements, like. If you haven't seen Birds of Paradise mating dances, they are fucking cool. Um, if you haven't seen like, uh, you know, the cooing or whatever, or the the head bobbing and the dancing, it's it's really interesting. But I, I again, I think that after that's successful, you just they just mate and then it's over with. But I, I can't right. think of any like bird behavior that indicates that that would be like a resistant thing. Now I don't I don't know about reptiles either, like. I think that a lot of reptiles make noise, like make loud, like turtles scream. Um, it's it's terrifying, the sound turtles make when they mate. This is all news to me. Yeah, but you watch a up. lot of nature documentaries. Look it up. It's awful. It's it's just basically like they're just like slowly humping <laughs> while being on the back of one another, and then they just go <laughs> the whole time, just like a straight sound. <laughs> Cowabunga. It's awful. It's awful. Uh, I think tiger, uh, no, tigers, I think gators um, have a sort of like hissing sound they make, like a growling sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know about apes. I don't know about primates. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like watching primates mate. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, I'm, 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 I'm kind of fascinated by how many different types of animal mating you've seen. Who hasn't? Me, apparently. Well, prude. I, I remember taking a trip across the border into Mexico when I lived in Arizona. I was like 13, and uh, I saw two dogs stuck together Ew. back to back. And I was yeah. just like, oh, it's so cruel. Why would somebody like glue dogs together? And then my parents were laughing, and then it then the penny dropped. And I went like, but I thought it was like a, a huh, huh. I grew a lot that day. Yeah. I grew up. I grew up. I, grew up. I aged. No, no, no. I aged I, a I, lot that day. I understood what you said. <laughs> I think everyone understood what you said. <laughs> I understand. I think I now understand why you're more of a Jungian person. What does that mean to you? Because if you were, because you Freudian slip so often that you'd like to deny that they're, they're real. <laughs> I see how you Freudian slipped that in. Got to find phrasing that works better in contexts that don't also suggest sexual acts. Every phrasing suggests sexual acts. 
Anyway, <laughs> that brings us to... What? Um, <laughs> I was going to go continue listing off animal sexing and how they, how they do it. You, you don't want to know about, uh, about this is uh, how dolphins? They, this is how they do it. Um, I mean, I could tell you about uh, other birds. I, I think I'm pretty sure there are certain birds that, as far as I understand, and I don't, again, I don't really know, but it's, I think that some um, mate in midair, like mate in flight. Yeah, they're refueling. Um, right. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Um, um, squirrels. What about squirrels? Oh, I don't know. Just they, busting so a nut fast. up in the tree. God damn it. <laughs> Can we try to have a classy show? No, we don't. We don't we don't talk about ostrich cocks. We don't talk about We had a we had a whole section devoted to ostrich. We both underlined it and circled it thrice. Listen, I'm I'm an adult. I I, I, I am not. I behave uh, honorably and with a great sense of maturity. Dignity. And I, and I what? Dignity. Eh, why not? Um, but you, you are a, like going to go to detention or something. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. We don't have to talk about dinosaur sex anymore or animal sex anymore. What's your next note? Or what's, is it the next chapter? What are we at? What are we at? You say that brings us to. That brings us. Oh, my. Uh, I think I actually have an overview here. Okay. Are you sure it's is for this... the. Because I want to well, call out the, the, the sub chapter. Is this the chapter that. Oh. Are you going to take that note of like June or whatever it was? Yeah. Oh, do it then. Well, that brings you... us to. June. Okay, so for the listeners, in the middle of this chapter, there's this weird like segment break where it also says just it just says June. It like flashes it kind, forward. It kind of suggests that we're advancing in time, but not enough to warrant a new chapter. It's like so, an epilogue of Raptors of Red Story before we right. get to the proper epilogue. And and so what happens in that is it describes going through time in like um God, what is that movie that does this exact thing? Um, well, it shows it shows that the two clans have come together. Red's, Red and Robbie's family, and her niece's new mate and family, and that's when we see the 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 pterodactyl and his new wife and their babies, and how everyone and how they become the apex predators for the next two million years, and it's it's the time of the raptor. Right. Meanwhile, we cut we we flash sideways over to her first mate's bones. And follow them through the millennia as they become fossilized and the bones that are mentioned in the preface of the book that are discovered during the filming of Jurassic Park. Uh, did you say some movie does this? No, I was thinking, I know, I think there's a movie and I can't remember which movie it is, but it's like a movie where the end is like some person describing the future and they're talking about, and it's like this dream sequence that like is moving through time very at like rapid uh, jumps. And it's like, and then I went even further. It's like narrated by the main character. And it's like, I went into the future and I saw, you know, these things happening and it was this way. And, and you, you were, you know, you were, 
uh, my, my family was like this and I saw all these children and everything. And then we went further and I saw, you know, new worlds and other and stuff like that. Oh I, shit. I, I have seen that. What, yeah, is, what that? is that? What is that? I, I'm getting like a, like a interstellar slash, uh, cloud Atlas kind of vibe, but I don't think it's either of those. It, I don't think it's either of those. Um, no, but I feel like that's pertinent, and I'm sure if re- uh, listeners, I wish I remember know what fucking movie that was. They'll, though. they'll write it into us. I just feel bad that I, I have this reference that would be so good if I could fucking. But I remember think you it. described it well enough, and everyone understands that's what happens in these chapters. I guess I just wish I knew exactly what movie I was talking about. Well, that's that's not the point. It's the message that matters. So then, yeah, we we get all the information about you know what the bones are doing and where they come from and how things have evolved and these other things that also evolve other dinosaurs that turn into different creatures in the future and all that jazz. Um, my, my note with that is that like, what the Bob Fossisaurus. Oh yeah. Uh, I, my note was like, I, I just, I, and I thought 19 years later was bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's fair. 19 millennia. This is ridiculous. All right. Um, is that, do you have any more notes? I have no more notes there. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to... Epilogue. The epilogue. Also, uh, I have no a page, notes here. I have a page 245. Um, here, at page 245, at least in my book, 245, uh, Backer confirms that crocodiles are extremely maternal. Mm, this, I did which, think of you when I read this. Which I do believe we discussed in the... Uh, let me see. We discussed it as a failing of Jurassic Park, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. It's good to... Th- uh, it's a good thing Backer knows best. Was it Jurassic Park or was it Lost World? Because it feels like a more recent conversation. I don't remember which one it was. It might have occurred Fair. in both. I might. I actually have... thought it was this book. So, so I'm no. glad you. I'm glad you refreshed my memory there. No, I'm pretty sure it was the first. I don't remember. I think. Sure, but I remember I... you being all over it. Like this is wrong. Here is how it goes, right. and I am even more impressed now. Yeah, we we talked about uh, crocodiles a lot, and and about how they because I, I I mentioned that thing about like they carry them in their mouth. They they carry the babies around because they're mm-hmm. gentle with them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I had to take a note on it just to be like, like you just said, you're impressed, and I just wanted to I was toot impressed. my horn and put a feather in my cap. Um, Don't try those at the same time; you'll strain yourself. Okay. Uh, and then I have an overview. Okay. And that just uh, here another just just felt like I wanted to take this last note. Uh, it took me a it took me this long to the end of the book to notice or and take note. I probably should have taken note earlier of this, but that Backer describes the dinosaurs as making nests out of branches and leaves. Uh, oftentimes, that's how he describes them using as materials to build their nests, mm-hmm. um, which is like many modern day birds use found items, you know, tree sure. leaves and br- branches and things like that to make their nests. My, if memory serves, Crichton describes the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park as mostly making nests out of mud and dirt. Yeah. And I don't know enough about paleontology to know who is more correct. I'm going to give it to Backer. I mean, yes, but I'm fairly certain that we have like dinosaur nest uh, fossils and, and, and sites where you could just see they're clearly in the dirt. Well, okay. What if this? What if 
they made their nests out of twigs and branches and sticks and found items. And then uh, that tamped everything down, including the ground underneath it, into a nest shape. And then that all got washed away and the remaining nest foundation was what was fossilized. There, I've solved it. It's entirely possible, and that was my guess. But it makes me wonder, what is there other evidence that he has that would suggest there are other materials? And a couple things, too, on this. uh, More realistic answers. Um, Backer is known as a bit of a uh, firebrand, a, a rebel in the dino community. He was coming up with theories that... They might all be correct, but they were certainly a lot of times radical. And he had about five to ten years more modern research on Crichton, who was writing mm. his book in the eighties. Right. And this is probably this is this real, not as a refutation, but this certainly felt as it's written in response to Jurassic Park. In some ways, it definitely does. So, I, I feel like his stuff was going to be more up to date. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think of birds again. I'm trying to sure. think of the birds that have nests that aren't made of twigs and, and branches and things like that. And the ones I'm coming up with are, I know there are certain birds that make their nests out of saliva. What Essentially about... they, Go ahead. Sorry. they make, they make these, these nests that are kind of, they look a lot like wasp nests. Okay. Um, they, they're, they're, they're like, like 3d printed things. Like totally like, enclosed is what you're saying. No, not totally enclosed, but they're just, they're made of like, they're made of hardened saliva. They're made of hardened mucus. So they just sure. basically like puke all over this area. And then it builds up a collective mound of vomit or, or saliva that makes a nest for them. What about big land birds like ostriches and emus? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I think that would be a really smart place to look, but, but I, here's the other thing. I know that penguins ne- build nests on top of their own feet. They don't even right. like, they don't really have the kind of nest that we would normally guess a nest would be like because they can't let their eggs touch the ground. Right. Um, again, another extremely like, uh, I don't know what the right word is because every word I have is specifically gendered, but it's, it's both pa- uh, paternal and maternal. Those parental instincts. <laughs> so that was um, going to be the one I offered. Uh, to, to protect their young are so strong that they will stand like penguins are a great example for how dinosaurs were probably awesome and amazing mm-hmm. like parents. Right. Um, I had this other idea at one point cause I was thinking about geese uh, while I was reading this book and I was thinking like, you know, if you stretched out a goose's neck and laid their body down, would it proportionally be similar to the length of like a, of a, a patasaurus? neck and body because if it is then why are we always assuming that the dinosaurs with the long necks are like have them straight out in front of them why don't we assume that they're up in a, an s curve like 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 the raptors like, like goose or raptors yeah well, i mean he talks all about the about them having an s neck all the time in this and yeah that's a really great question how do we know that they didn't have that lungy snake-like coiled ready to spring I guess it's a predatory thing. It it, it is, but like, and, I, and there's got to be good reason. But these, sure, are, I just I have questions that I, I these aren't answered yet. But, I would go, guess but a, geese aren't carnivores, so it, it's. I feel like your question still has merit. Well, they. My guess is that the reason they know it is because those dinosaurs are almost always found with their necks straight out in the ground, and like if you found the raptors, because well, when you're that big and you die, you're gonna go oh and unfurl. And... <laughs> sure, that's what happens. Um, I, I know it's, I, think, I know it's an audio podcast, but I just totally 
pantomimed a dying apatosaurus and it was pretty awesome it was certainly it certainly happened um <laughs> the uh but like i think the raptors always like you when when animals like that die with those s curves next they are they die in those positions because that's how they lived um rigor would straighten you right out i tell that to the to the, to the bones i'm telling it to you tell it to the bones they're I'm the telling... ones who are they're proving you wrong bones ain't listening man ain't no bones about it um <laughs> wow okay rob uh anyway so i just i like that i like the nesting stuff and he had mentioned it many times throughout this book and it took me till the very end to like have the presence of mind to go oh yeah we should talk about that because it's actually kind of cool uh that's all my notes man that's it that's all i got uh what do you want to say about this book as a whole now that we're at the end of it it was an interesting experiment i don't know if i would have read it on my own all the way through without something like this podcast i i feel like i would have dumped out even before it got interesting because it was very dry to begin with uh and it reminded me a lot of being in school and being exposed to a book i would not have picked up on my own so that was kind of neat right um I overall liked the character of Red. Did not care for the sister. I got emotionally invested in that dynamic. Um, it was okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad we read it. I think I also probably would have... I don't know if I would have put it down, but I probably would have rushed it and missed a whole bunch. Sure. Sometimes when I read, I like get distracted with other thoughts, but my eyes keep going down the page, and I have to yep. check myself and say, nope, you didn't read that. Go back. And I had to do that a lot in this book. Um, I, I think, it, like I said in the last episode, it's probably one of the most unique books I've ever read. It's it's mm. one of the most, like, I don't want to say most creative, but, like, the amount of imagination you have to put into trying to describe the daily life and the mentality of an animal that you're deliberately trying to personify but also be respectful of at a point to not over humanize mm-hmm. seems very challenging. Absolutely. Um, and I think that backer did a pretty good job mm-hmm. of, of writing that line and, and keeping it fair on both an interesting narrative level, but also on a like naturalist perspective, keeping it like honest to what animals, like what we think animals might actually behave like, or might actually think like, sure. Especially animals with brains as big as the Raptors. So, uh, if I was going to recommend it for somebody, I, again, I would probably recommend it to somebody who was into dinosaurs a lot. Absolutely. If you oh, if you're if you're a dino nut, this yeah. is probably a book for you. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, I think I think you'll probably because you know it's one dino nut to another. You would pick up on things that we didn't get. Oh, absolutely, and and I would and and or or you would find things in it that you hated because they were so wrong. I'm sure. Um, Twenty years out of date or so. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, I mean, there's parts, where, and I'm not, I I didn't want to bring this up too much because I just don't know the reality of it, but I know that like you're, I'm pretty sure Brontosaurus isn't a dinosaur, and he mentions it in in the thing. But I think what I what I was trying to piece together when he mentioned it was that Brontosaurus might be like a, a genus. It I might feel be like, like he a, was using like, it as a category. Yes. Yeah, as a category. And then of he had a, then a he broke it like, down into a patasaurus and whiptail right, and right. things like that. Yeah, that, like that's the, what I got. The sauropods are brachiosaurium or whatever like, right I, I don't remember what it was but i was so so things and, like that i'm sure like you said are at this point 30 years out of date and the nomenclature's changed so much since then like i 
I last right. I heard they were getting rid of Triceratops. And really? I don't, yeah, because they're saying it's actually a different stage of this other animal. Oh, right, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like Pluto, like Pluto. Right, right. Um, and I, I didn't follow up on that, but I mean, that thing, it's its constantly evolving. <laughs> the study right, of right. paleontology is constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I think that, you know, that's who I would recommend this book to. If um, you're looking for hot, steamy dino sex, you really want to find that elsewhere. If you Amazon for, has you covered. If you're looking for hot, steamy dino scent leavings this is the book for you it's sure. gonna have a lot of shit talk in it, <laughs> it sure um, is. yeah i liked it I, I gotta say i'm glad it's over I'm, I'm i was done with it by the time we got to the end like i'm i'm ready, but it is I'm also, ready for it to be over it is also relatively short it it is it's relatively short it's 250 pages at least mine is um mm-hmm. about that and it it's it's fine i i don't know uh yeah there you go i guess that's the end of of, of raptor red uh i don't have do you have anything else to say? I don't. I don't have any new words. Not a word. So um, I, I think that brings us to the pageantry <sighs> that you've been waiting for so patiently. You'd listen, okay. might have. Listeners and uh, gentle listeners, um, this is the time of the show where we have finished a book. So now we're going to decide and find out what new book we are going to read next. Uh, we don't know is the thing. This is part of the fun. We have no idea what book is going to be the book that we read next. Also, if, if you've listened so far, thanks for listening through our Raptor Red book. Uh, I got to imagine we took a huge hit in listenership uh, for this book, which is fine because this, uh, you know, if you stuck around and listened, uh, read the book. Anyway, so what we do now is I'm go- I ha- I'm going to get a, a, a pile of books. And I'm going to tell Rob what they are. And we're going to number them in order one through six. And then once we introduce them, I'm going to roll a live six-sided die. A lucky marriage die. A lucky marriage die. And whatever it comes up with, that's what we're reading next. So, for the six books that are on the table, we have... I've, I've made a little bit of a genre split. Okay. The first three are sort of more modern uh, sci-fi adventure stories. Okay. The other three are more classic fantasy or sci-fi stories. Okay. So, let's start with the new wave. In the number one slot... Uh, we're going to go with Ernest Klein's Ready Player One. Okay, cool, cool. In cool, slot cool. number one. In slot number two, we have Cherry Priest's Bone Shaker. I've heard of that. Okay, okay. Reviewed by Will Wheaton and... Uh, Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Okay. When you said that earlier, when you when you, when you you hinted at that earlier, I thought that was Ready Player One, since I know that Oh, both. no. Uh, in slot three, we have Yahtzee Croshaw's Will Save the Galaxy for Food. Okay. Positively reviewed by uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Who's Patrick Rothfuss? Do I know he that uh, wrote Name of the Wind. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, now, so that's our three more modern sci-fi-ish adventure books. Okay. 
On to the classics. Classic. In slot four. In slot four, hmm. we have J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Okay. Which I've never read. Sorry, it's on the block. It's just, it's just I, I, I'm blown away. I know. But, okay. I know. Okay. You don't have to explain why you don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't not want to read it. I've got an annotated edition. I will bring so many factoids. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, The Hobbit is in slot four. Okay. Slot five. Oh, boy. In slot five, newcomer, like Bone Shaker, a newcomer to the round, is uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Tarzan of the Apes. I have read that. Have you? Yes, I have. Well, here it is. I it's think on I, the list. I think it was the exact same edition you have. I don't have it anymore, but should not be hard to find. Shouldn't be hard to find. Finally, coming in at slot six to round out the classics of fantasy and adventure is, weirdly, another Edgar Rice Burroughs. John Carter of Mars. The Well, specifically a princess of Mars. Okay. Okay. So. Have I read that? Part of me feels like I have, or maybe I started it, but okay. Yeah. So. We've introduced the the variety. Yes. Oh boy, am I on the edge of my seat. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to turn my camera so Rob can see the, uh, the, the rolling surface so that there's no... Hanky-panky. There's no hanky-panky. There's no risk of, of there being an obfuscated view of, of what the result is. Right. So... Here we go. And this, I'm going to roll my lucky uh, bachelor party six-sided die from the Venetian hotel that I, I got, I gave, I bought and gave as a uh, bachelor party gift to all my best men at my uh, bachelor party. Uh, Which was the last thing that happened in the free world before pandemic lockdown. It's, it's, it's a, it's a remnant of a better time. <laughs> so um, it's, <laughs> it's a relic. It's an elegant tool for a more civilized age. Lovely. So, here we go. The roll. Five. That's Tarzan? Tarzan. Tarzan of the Apes. Of the Apes. Wow. Tarzan of the Apes. This uh, I bought this at a Goodwill <laughs> as a sort of like, hey, look at Tarzan of the Apes. Why not? Wow. Complete and unabridged. Okay. That's where we're going. We're going into... The Jungle uh, with Tarzan and the Apes. So. Greystoke. Yeah, next time you Por- see us. Portrayed by such notables as Christopher Lambert and Tony Goldwyn. Man, this is. This is exciting. I mean, this was on the low end of the ones I wanted, but <laughs> it's in the list. So there we go. We're going to we go. we're going to get into it. Um, I'm psyched. Uh, Excellent. I'm excited. OK, cool. So. Uh, see us next time when we talk about Tarzan of the Apes. Uh, go find your copy. Start reading it. Uh, I believe it's in the public domain, so you can find that everywhere. It's on Gutenberg.com or org or whatever it is. Free press. It's all kinds of... I mean, you don't have to spend the 99 cents Amazon wants. That book is free, and it's legal. Get it how you get it. Yeah, and we will try to. Uh, I wish I, I'd done. I wish I'd done a better job of plotting out how many chapters and pages we would have read before right this minute. But we'll let you know next time. So go get your copy, or read around seventy pages, and then come back to us. 
Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I don't think I do. Are you excited about Tarzan of the Apes? I am excited about Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan of the Apes. All right. Well, that's the end of Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Oh, last episode was 86. We missed 86. What What's significant about that? Yeah, like 86 it. Like kill it? Yeah, or like Agent 86 from Get Smart. There's a lot of 86s out there. What's the, uh, do you know the origin of 86ing? No. Part of me always wants to think it's related to aces and eights, but I don't think it is. My understanding that it has to do with, like, uh, the uh, the New York Mets. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the 86 Mets, I believe it was the 86 Mets, fucked up the... Uh, like the 1886 Mets? No, no, maybe it's the Red Sox. Like the, the no, the 1986 Mets. Because well, 86 has been around since like the 50s or 30s. Has it? Like a 86 this mug. I don't know that. That's what I'm trying to understand. Like yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not from the 1986 anything. Okay, <laughs> just like. Okay, I guess I'll just stop sharing my uh, conjecture because clearly it's not worth. Uh, pursuing it, w- it wouldn't have been an interesting avenue of conversation. It wouldn't have provided uh, any sort of levity or, or potential opportunity for. Uh, is what I would have said if I was rude and interrupted people. What were you going to say? No, no, I, I think it must be not worth discussing because <laughs> it's been around since the '86. This mug, see, uh, whatever that means. It's possible that I watched a cartoon in '87. Set in the 30s, you know how Bugs Bunny was always dealing with gangsters. Mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what were you saying? No, it's fine. It couldn't oh, have been sorry. anything. I don't I'm know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry. I have it wrong is the thing. I can't, I can't remember if it was the Mets or the Red Sox. Um, it might have been both. Hmm. Did the it Mets have... fight the Red Sox? Uh, they played that's what, them. That's what you call it when two, two, <laughs> two ball teams, both alike in dignity, meet, right? On the diamond? Uh, you call it a fight? Yeah. Well, you call it you call it a lot of things. In uh, Fair Wrigley where we lay our scene. The the Metsugu and the The Metsugu? The oh, Metsugus and the uh what was the Sox the Soxulets. Well, they wouldn't have been in Wrigley, but it's fine. I liked it nevertheless. Um I I did. I genuinely did. I I was like, "Ooh, in Fair Wrigley, that sounds good. What are the Cubs doing?" Oh, Rob doesn't know teams. Okay. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Mr. Matt courted uh, Julie Sox. I don't know if the Red Sox had. I don't know what their mascot was back then. Um, it's probably some sort of variant of Mr. Met as a man with a baseball head. Why don't they have any girl mascots? They do. They, are they called Miscots? No, I think they're just called mascots, but they have oh. different gendered mascots out there. Uh, the Red Sox uh, Green Monster has a mother who occasionally comes out and interacts with him. If if the monster that you just mentioned, I forgot the team already, uh, liked to get his nipples twisted, would he be a wow. mascotistic? Wow. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs>
And <laughs> if he's in the ballpark, he would be a stadium mascotistic. Uh, you're in the ballpark. I don't know. I'm trying. I it's just it's hard. So, yes, the thing that's hard about yes and is you can't just say. It feels like you can't say no. It's fine. I don't want to add anymore. <laughs> it's like you're compelled to add something, even if it makes it worse. Right. So, uh, how did that uh, create the eighty sixing? Someone well, just, the, the idea is that like fumbled it, the ball. Yeah, there was a famous like fuck up on the field, uh, and where where the ball they kicked was, it outside the goal. No, the ball was hit down the first baseline. It went, and the guy who was fielding first base went down to pick it up. It was supposed to be, it should have been an easy play. I might be fucking this up. It shouldn't be on the episode because people are going to know. I'm oh, it'll up. be 86. Good. Um, but the idea was that he, uh, you're supposed to put your gloves on the field, like on the ground. Like throwing at their feet. Like I challenge you on the no, field of honor. When you, when you put it down your hands, you're supposed to put your hands that are gloved on the ground. So the ball rolls right into your glove. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Well, sure, this sure. guy didn't, do that he put his gloves down but he never went all the way down to the ground so the ball went under his glove and through his legs and you gotta go all the way or you miss the balls it went into the outfield and the other team scored and i think that other team was the mets i think the mets uh went like won the world series that year and so eight my understanding was and i'm sure i'm just fucking wrong because i don't i started talking before i I was hoping you would know, as if you would know anything about sports. Um, Why would you think that? I thought you would know about this this terminology, not necessarily like, okay, like okay. be grateful about where it came from. Because um, uh, uh, you used it, and I thought, oh, he's using this term. Clearly, he knows from which it came. No. Well. No, he doesn't. Uh, that's what was my impression, is that to 86-something is to, like just destroy all hope of mm-hmm. it uh, of or, or of it succeeding or, or it, it happening just kill it just it's done it's 86 it's over your hopes are dashed are you googling it yeah but i'm not i wasn't gonna tell you why not why not google it <sighs> it was mental floss Regardless of whether it was first to coin the phrase, the restaurant business in the 1930s was one of the main incubators for its usage and development. Believed to be slang for the word nix. Oh, maybe that's where you got the nix. Like nix it? Like get it out of here? No, that would New be York basketball. Knicks. Meh. <laughs> the New York Knickerbockers. The basketball team, the Knickerbockers. It was initially used as a way of saying that the kitchen <laughs> was out of something. I love that no matter how bad I got this, you... Not knowing that you insisting that the yeah the New York Knickerbockers the Knicks right <laughs> famous baseball team right that's who was playing against those uh those those uh azure stockings as was that what you called them I forget um and that guy he 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 had his glove and he didn't put it on the rafters uh at at the uh, on the on the sixteenth base hole he right. <laughs> You said this. this is, I, I'm repeating it verbatim. <laughs> I love 16th base hole. Uh, sports is a closed book to me. <laughs>